Welcome to Fronteras, a program that explores issues at the border and beyond through the lens of arts, culture, and history. I'm Norma Martinez with Texas Public Radio in San Antonio. There's a version of Texas history that's known around the world. Remember the Alamo and the heroes that died defending it, all leading to Texas declaring freedom and independence from the Mexican dictatorship. But there's a lot more Texas history that's fallen through the cracks of time. That history is starting to bubble up through the cracks and is solidifying at the surface. Historians, artists, activists, and educators are all trying to preserve and popularize the complete story of Texas. The podcast, Becoming Texas, is directly challenging the dominant Texas myth with its own Tejano tales and everything in between. The podcast is published by the Institute of Texan Cultures at the University of Texas at San Antonio and is hosted by writer, producer, documentarian, and educator John Philip Santos. Santos teaches at the UTSA Honors College. He says UTSA will soon be launching a school of engaged humanities that will further explore the rich history and culture of the state that's being presented in the podcast. It's kind of all been uh, organically taking shape for some time now. I've, I've been at UTSA for 13 years and um, teaching in the Honors College, teaching all over the map, broadly in an arena that I've called Mestizo Cultural Studies. In this case, in the last years, I've been focusing increasingly on Texas and, and the place that Texas occupies in the epic of Mexico, in the story of New Spain, in the hemispheric story of the Americas. All of these concerns relate to very different kinds of literary and artistic and historical and cultural legacies that we um, don't really get a chance to study in Texas schools. So we're developing a new way of approaching that history through the humanities to come to a deeper understanding of what it means to be of this place, this crossroads of the world not just of the Spanish and indigenous worlds, but indeed African and Asian legacies that crisscross um, throughout San Antonio and South Texas and greater Texas. We're literally in the stages of emerging with this new model. So it probably won't be officially launched until August of 24. And so going to this history of Texas that you're focusing on, and it's a very broad history, but of course the history that all of us are taught in schools is a very narrow history. And those of us who have been here and maybe who have listened to the show, I know as I have done this program, I myself have learned a lot about this history of Texas that is so undertold that many people in power maybe want to put a tamp on or they don't necessarily... Uh, want to tarnish the already established story of Texas. And so I'm curious to know how you came to be aware of this story that is outside of the textbook that we are all taught. Well, that's a great question, Norma. You know, my family kept a lot of the stories alive, especially the Santos and Garcia families, my dad's families. Growing up in San Antonio, I was born here My dad was born here, but the family really came over during the time of the Mexican Revolution and quickly settled here, partly because it was a familiar place. It was a secret Mexican city. 
And that secret Mexican city still harbored the memory of this lost past, of the heritage that had been suppressed, in some cases erased, some cases torn down or urban renewed, uh, as it were, in, in the 60s here in San Antonio. So I always knew there was this hidden story that was related to my family's story. And we've begun to see new kinds of history being written about not just about San Antonio, uh, not just about South Texas, but greater Texas. And so, for instance, a group of historians who go by the name Refusing to Forget, I think you've interviewed some of them, Monica Munoz Martinez and Ben Johnson, two among uh, many distinguished uh, collaborators in that project. They began to recover stories about this lost memory for many of the period in the early 20th century of anti-Mexican violence that was an absolute scourge in South Texas. Maybe as many as 5,000 extrajudicial killings in that period. So new histories coming forward begin to broaden that picture, despite what we're taught in schools. If we go out looking for it, if we go out seeking this deeper story, the work of historians like that group help us to find our way into this deeper understanding of ourselves. And that was part of what we wanted to do with the Becoming Texas podcast was to to use the forum to examine these places where new light is emerging. The work of the Refusing to Forget historians, Carrie Clack bringing out a first ever anthology of African-American Texas literature, new narratives coming forward relating to the indigenous past, and then a lot of interest in new scholarship happening around diverse religious and spiritual traditions in Texas. So those are kind of mapping out the episodes that are ahead and the one that we've done already, which is the Hano Tales that deals with the Refusing to Forget group and a couple of other stories along that line. For me, what the title kind of betokens, the idea of becoming Texas, we have the Texas story that is the stuff of myth. There was an Davy inter- Crockett. Davy and Crockett and you know, Jim Bowie, Jim Bowie and- Travis, etc. All of the usual suspects. <laughs> and that myth, Lawrence Wright described recently in an interview as a Hollywood artifact. But it's also a conspiracy against the truth truths that were either meant to be forgotten entirely. If, if people see the missions today, they see these beautiful sites, these historic buildings. If you looked at those buildings 100 years ago, they were in ruins, virtually crumbling. And that was really what was meant to happen. They were meant to go to ruins. And if it hadn't been for people like Adina de Savala, we would have lost those entirely. So the act of becoming Texas is something that's always already underway. We never arrived at some final Texas. In fact, I think we're, in many respects, very early in the story of Texas. And the story of Texas is is indeed one of being a place that has been for literally thousands of years a crossroads of peoples, of very diverse peoples, going back into the indigenous uh, world before the uh, contact with the Españoles. And then in the ensuing events that take place after the settlement of San Antonio, that it becomes a place to which literally all the world would come. So how do we understand 
that other way of being Texas, the idea of of Texas as a kind of a, a protean place where the world's peoples are reinventing themselves and not just within a construct of one particular group, whether a white supremacist or otherwise, Chicano nationalist. This is a place where we have a chance to evoke a very different kind of humanity. And it can seem very daunting, especially at a time when we see buoys being placed in the Rio Grande that have circular saws and metallic mesh. And an object like that is a kind of manifestation of the desperation that uh, a certain part of the Texas myth is undergoing right now as it feels itself slipping away, slipping into a new way of being. John Philip Santos is an educator, documentarian, writer, and producer. He's the host of the podcast, Becoming Texas, published by the UTSA Institute of Texan Cultures. When we come back, Becoming Texas takes an interdisciplinary long view of the true tales of Texas. The idea of the, the podcast really is to take stock of new ideas, new scholarship, new imagination, new kinds of ways of approaching the spaces of South Texas. Our conversation continues next on Fronteras. Welcome to Fronteras. I'm Norma Martinez with Texas Public Radio in San Antonio. Today we're talking about the new podcast, Becoming Texas. Using history, music, philosophy, and pop culture, we'll explore what it means for the unheard voices of Texas history to finally be heard in the public square and how those new voices will transform what it means to be Texan. The podcast is hosted by documentarian, producer, writer, and educator John Philip Santos. He says becoming Texas is just one element in the long movement to broaden the scope of history. He says the dominant myth is still reverberating in racist policies employed at the U.S.-Mexico border. And we're in a particularly grievous interval right now. When you consider, for instance, that for many of our families here in San Antonio, hundred years ago, during the period of the revolution, there really was no border. Open border was not some kind of scary term. Uh, this was a place that had for a long time been a place of movement north and south. And when you go into the deep history, you see it even goes into the indigenous world, that the indigenous peoples moved north and south across these lands. All of the myths in central Mexico of origin for the Aztecs, for instance, or the Chichimecas, the Toltecas, have these stories about how our ancestors came from the north, the migrantes from the north. So just a hundred years ago, there was literally a kind of an open terrain of movement for all peoples in these lands. It was really only in the 80s that the, the borderlands began to be militarized and fortified. And so, you know, like a squid puts out its ink when it feels threatened, the militarization, the fortification is that kind of impulse. How do we defend? But there's a, an author, Robert Kaplan, who wrote a book called Revenge of Geography. And at the end of that book, he devotes the last section of the book to the U.S.-Mexico border. And he talks about it being, especially when you look at it through the lens of the long durée, the French historian Fernand Bordel's idea of looking at history through a long 
interval lens. You have to look at it over hundreds and hundreds of years, if not millennia. And Kaplan rightly says that you look at the U.S.-Mexico border through the long durée, the lens of the long interval, the long period, what we see is a destiny that is north and south rather than east and west. And so we're living this period of becoming something new that is literally deadly for many, for my ancestors who crossed uncontested in a wooden bridge in Eagle Pass. It was not a, a life and death matter as it is for so many now. Many of us who are working in these themes, either as scholars or artists or writers, we're looking at ways that the arts and humanities speak to these challenges. So we think of it as a policy challenge or a political and economic challenge. There are many of us who are working on these themes out of an arts and humanities lens. How does art reinvent community? How do the humanities help reshape how we think of ourselves and, and what we make of our history. So in San Antonio, we just we have a, a unique abundance of these challenges. We're the Alamo at the nucleus of our downtown and our, our mythic origin. That is, you know, this kind of a vortex of so much of these forces that are in opposition to one another that, that really deal with who gets included, who gets left out, who gets privilege, who does not, who has impunity, who does not, who is hungry and who is not. And so these struggles around these questions relating to Texas, or as I sometimes think of it, it's, it really is the question of Texas. What will Texas become? And, and what it will become, I think, is really indicative of how we relate to our own humanity, what we make of our humanity. So the idea of the, the podcast really is to take stock of new ideas, new scholarship, new imagination, new kinds of ways of approaching the spaces of South Texas and how they will contribute to this process of, of becoming a new kind of place over the next, again, 50 years, 100 years, the long game. So this isn't something that has a a near-term deadline on it. Well, and you were mentioning this long view of history and this long-term view of history. Most people have a very short-term view, and which is why we, as the saying goes, we are doomed to repeat history. And I think you were mentioning through the humanities, through arts, through culture. To me, it seems like it would be the most effective way to communicate history to a broader general public because not everybody is buying, you know, academic books off the shelves or they're not taking history classes from these historians like refusing to forget. But they are on social media. There mm. are podcasts like Becoming Texas mm. that make this history more available to a broader public so that the stories that were passed on from generation to generation that just happened to be told to you uh, that might have been lost in other families, at least those stories can keep going for this newer generation. Yeah, you know, my work has really been as a storyteller and journalist in the main really only the last 13, 14 years, fully in the academy, fully in the university world. Uh, before that, I was at CBS News and PBS. And then with my books that are, are more focused on the history of my families, the two family memoirs. So I've always been committed to using the 
literary arts and the humanities as instruments to bring the world to people in ways they may not expect, in places that they may not expect. One way of doing that is through family stories. Another place we've done that recently here in San Antonio is in the San Pedro Creek Cultural Park Project, which I was involved with uh, virtually from the inception. And for and people who might not be familiar, they might be outside of San Antonio listening to that. Can you briefly describe that? Well, San Pedro Creek in the middle of San Antonio, we're famous for the San Antonio River or the, the simulated river walk experience <laughs> that is a, a destination for many tourists and travelers. San Pedro Creek was actually the place where the city was founded in 1718. And um, the settlement was really not too far from where we're sitting right now. We're sitting on San Pedro Creek, a little above uh, San Pedro Creek in this case. But the place of settlement is just about a half mile away from here. And growing up, I had known the creek really as a paved over, depraved culvert. It was just a, like a drainage abandoned, ditch, right? a drainage ditch, mm -hmm. unsightly, forgotten, like our history. And so the idea was, could we develop a project, architects, designers, historians, hydrological engineers, that would renew the creek's presence as a living body of water in the middle of the city, but could we use it also as a place to tell this story, to tell this mythic tale of San Antonio's emergence? And so when you experience the creek today, if you come to visit San Antonio, come downtown, and you begin the trail at the trailhead at Camarón in Santa Rosa, what you'll experience there is a kind of a, a conjuring of the deepest time origins of the creek. So the cladding that's around the the water plant there actually reproduces the skies. It's punched out metal, and it reproduces the, the pattern of stars in the skies in 1718. So you're literally kind of gazing into the past. And, and then we used inscriptions, some of them drawn from historical sources, some of them kind of like poetic word art that dot the path alongside public art by artists like uh, Alex Rubio and Adriana Garcia and Joe Lopez, Kathy Sosa's five uh, mural installation just a few hundred yards away from where we are, tells this mythic story of origin, encounter, conflict, division, and then some vision or hope of renewal and uh, compassionate embrace. We can tell these stories, we have to tell these stories in places like libraries and in scholarly venues and such. But we can also bring these narratives into public spaces, radio waves, urban parks, murals and city walls. So Increasingly, I'm seeing that as the place of incredible hope and opportunity for what scholars are finding in their deeper dives into archives and, and lost records, that we can bring uh, a lot of that learning into play in our public spaces so that the community itself is engaged. And we can challenge ourselves to populate so much of the world around us that has been left to the devices of capital or of uh, industry to fill those places with images, with narratives, 
with stories that take us to these deeper questions. The nucleus of it I, I always refer to as the question of Texas. What will we become? We've had a pretty rough path getting to where we are. What will we become? And how, how compassionate is this community going to be toward each other and towards others? Towards others, for instance, to the South. I think that's going to be the destiny of the next hundred years, a struggle that will say a lot about our humanity. We're talking to John Philip Santos, a documentarian, producer, and writer. Santos is a professor of interdisciplinary humanities and is a distinguished senior lecturer in Mestizo Cultural Studies at the University of Texas at San Antonio Honors College. Santos is host of the Becoming Texas podcast, presented by the UTSA Institute of Texan Cultures. Episode 1, Tejano Tales, is out now, and you can find a link to it at tpr.org. The Becoming Texas podcast grew out of an Honors College class project, and on part two of our conversation next week, you'll hear how student input played a crucial role in the podcast's development. Thanks for joining us on Fronteras. Fronteras is produced by Norma Martinez and Marian Navarro. Our executive producer is Dan Katz. Our editor is Fernando Ortiz Jr. Charanga Cakewalk composed our theme music. Hear past episodes at tpr.org and on the Fronteras podcast. I'm Norma Martinez with Texas Public Radio in San Antonio.